Hello, welcome to episode 215 of Three Bears in a Movie. I'm Richard Laird and I'm with... Colin McKay. Colin, nice to see you again, Colin. Back, back, a, back again. Bearded and lovely as you always do. Yeah, I've got on my cardigan and my shirt and everything. I'm proper. A tumble, Lorraine said I was dressed a tumble today. Without wanting to turn into the old men, the temperature is beginning to drop, I've noticed. It is getting a wee bit cooler. I was kind of asking, about five o'clock I said to Lorraine, when does the heating come on? So I was mm. kind of starting to seep into my old bones. Was... We're not quite at the heating level yet because I'm, I'm one of you, I won't fuse, but the heating on to at least October, you know, like sort of like has to be like I even pushed to November. I don't want to put it on any other than that, but we are getting to that point where it may yeah. have to start getting looked at. I would say we all news recently about this um energy scares you probably as well. I fuck yeah. Not put on your heating into I may have to burn my body or something to try and keep myself warm yeah, over the It's pretty nuts all this stuff. I think they're saying it's going to impact supermarkets now and petrol stations and all sorts. So I think we're heading for a wee crisis. Are you, I was joking about how old you are, are you old enough to remember sort of like the kind of winter of discontent and stuff like that in the 80s? Can you remember all that kind of stuff happening? No, in the 80s I would have just been like a kind of mental between like kind of nine and Aye, okay. 19 years old, so my head wasn't any kind of current affairs whatsoever. You don't, you don't remember the old stuff, you know, the kind of minor yeah. strike and all that kind of stuff, no? No, I remember like, kind of late 80s and, and possibly early 90s, I remember films, documentaries and stuff like that on the back of it. Right. But I don't have any real recollection of the events unfolding. Yeah, I think it might have been more late 70s. I think I'm, I'm a... Um, yeah, kind of 70s, 80s, yeah. But things like Brassed Off and stuff is really more my kind of relation to it. Do you know what I mean? That kind Aye. Of Films yeah. like that. Right. No, fair yeah. enough. Just, just wondering because I, I always forget, forget how old you are, Colin, sometimes, that's all. Um, Thank so you. That <laughs> <laughs> was, again, doing this via the wonders of Zoom. Um, it's a Thursday night, um, and as you may tell, it's getting to the point where in the country right now we may be having to start, you know, conserving energy at some point, you know, so getting devising ready. ways to run mechanical fucking laptops and whatnot. But yes, we um, wind up laptop might be required. So it's, it's going to be an interesting mm. winter, I feel, over in the, in the British Isles. Mm. Um, what are you drinking tonight? Oh, I'm drinking um, Shahalion, Shahalion yeah. craft beer, which is... Um, just a craft lager from um, Harvest Town Brewery. Um, it's actually, I've never had it before, but it's, it's quite quite light and, and crisp. So, yeah. It, I think we've had it on the pod before. I think it's, it's, it's a particularly very Scottish beer. I yeah, think. yeah. The, the label has a wee Scottish mouse on it where we kind of walking stick and his wee kind of hiking hat and stuff for that one. So it's very, you like very it? cute. Yeah, it's cute. Refreshing it's on a Thursday night. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. What are you drinking? I have one called Temperance, and it is from, sorry, it's from the Temperance Brewery Company, and it's called Escapist, and it's an American pale ale. Um, it's 6.7%, and it has a kick, I won't lie. Um, that's quite strong. For me, definitely, oh, yeah. It's, it's, for, um, for an IPA as well, that's... Um, it's, like, you can taste the alcohol, if that makes sense. You yeah. know, it, it's almost got a kind of bit of a, like, I wouldn't say whiskey, kind of almost like a whiskey kick to it, actually, a wee bit, which is kind of surprising. Yeah. Um, no, I get you, man, because I was on this train last week, remember, with a yes. high alcohol content, so it's your turn this week. Yeah, I mean, is it, I don't is think it? particularly high, but for most people who do drink beer, it's not that high, but for me, it does feel a bit more alcoholic yeah. than I'm, I'm yeah, used to. Yeah, because your generic's between four and a half and five, isn't it? So anything take, yeah. above Maybe that is... five and a half at a push. Yeah, yeah. But um, I'll give you three them, sir, and you'll be, you'll be having a good night. I will be, yeah. Um, I think one will do me tonight. Um, so... <laughs> We are not much to talk about this week because you've not my, my able to see anything, so we'll, we'll move on quite swiftly to what we're talking about. So, anything of interest at home you've watched over the last like, sort of week or so? Uh, I've just been following up on my, my week in a 
flurry of, of shows I'm watching. So I finished off um, the brand new cherry flavor. I, I okay. finished that. That was eight, eight, eight episodes. So that's done and dusted. Um, nice. Overall, for, for a, a kind of story up one eight episodes, really, really good. Um, really enjoyable TV. And it's good to see something a bit different out there as well. Does it conclude or is it built for a second season? Both. Um, there Both. is a conclusion there. Um, I, I mentioned to you earlier on that when you read a lot of online reviews, people are kind of losing their shit over the final episode, saying it doesn't do anything and stuff like that. And I feel quite. I feel the opposite. I think it leaves leaves it open enough for you to draw your own conclusion. Right. Um, but there's enough there that if they want to do a second show, they they they, they can as well and, and right. arch it off again. But yeah, I thought I thought the wrap up was. I was happy with. It. I was like, you know, I can fill in the gaps and. You know, make my own story out of that if I want to. So I have no issues with how it ended, but people seem to be, yeah, losing. people want shit given to them. Far people, too yeah, people get angry over very minor things these days, you know, sort of like, and also people get angry if something is not the way they think it should be. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, like I remember people get very angry over the fact that what was it, something about in one of the Captain America shows, oh, one of the, the Wonder Vision show that it wasn't Mephisto was the bad guy. Because that was everybody yeah. thought it should be, or Fantastic Four weren't brought into it. It's like going, yeah, that's not what the show was setting up. It's just because in your mind, you've all thought this up. You think that's what it should be. The, the show was shot six months ago. You know, yeah, yeah. People were reading into shit that that wasn't uh-huh. there. Um, I think a good example of what is uh, probably the best example of recent times is Game of Thrones. Remember, people watched yeah. shit over the final episode saying we demand you remake it. I'm like, oh fuck, oh, who the fuck? Who do you think they are? Do you know what I mean? Remake the episode. Shut up. I think people have this idea that because they like something, they have an ownership of it, and it's ultimately you don't. You have an you you can you can watch it, you can enjoy it, you can dislike it, but ultimately, what an art like what artists put on the page or on the screen is for is is their choices. You know, you can disagree with you. You can disagree with it absolutely, but it doesn't mean it's wrong. It doesn't mean you it has to be redone to make it in your image. That's not the way it works. Yeah, co- completely, and especially with stuff like Game of Thrones, where they surpassed the source material, and you know they, these guys are making it up as much as you know we're kind of yeah. seeing each yeah. new episode unfold as well. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, I thought, considering mm. what they kind of had to work with and where the books left off, I thought it was all done. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, could have been bits done better, but. It's not a fucking remake. It was like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, there you go. It concluded. Deal with it. Do you know what I mean? Aye, that's, that's it. You're, they're building a conclusion. They're building a show. And they're building to something. They're building, and they're doing something about it. And it's like, mm. just because you like it doesn't mean you have any sort of um, ownership over it. And that's, that's I think, the real problem right now with fandom generally. Fans seem to think that something is, they have more input than they should. And I think one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest sort of recent things of that was like the Snyder Cut thing. We are... Mm. That was a real fan push to get Snyder Cut like released. Yeah. The people who wanted it released were not particularly the nicest of online people. You know, it was very chauvinist, you know, absolute incel pricks. But because they got because they because they got something done, there's a sense now that because they got that done, they can get anything done. So now it's like, well, we want another athlete Batman. It's like you don't get to fucking choose like that. That's not how it works. Yeah, you're not financing this shit. You have Uh zero fucking input at all. Do you know what I mean? Sit back down, fanboy, and shut the fuck up. And the Snyder Cut thing, I think it only happened because there was a lockdown, which happened. Um the whole country was there was no TV, no no, sorry, no cinema coming out. It was a perfect storm of like they're launching this new app. They needed to get eyes on it. They needed to get memberships up. This was a way to do that, and that's all it was. Mm. If if 
if there had been no lockdown, there had been no COVID virus, there is fucking no way that Snyder Cut is getting released. Absolutely do you no think, way. Do, do you think Snyder wanted to do the Snyder Cut, though? See, I, I always thought he kind of he wanted to fulfil his own vision. But do you know no, I, mean? I think so he did. Was, no, I think he might have yeah. wanted to do it, but there's no reason why DC and Warner Brothers say, "Yeah, you're going to do it." Like, like, so yeah. it's not. You know, I think it literally was a perfect storm of there's nothing out the cinemas. We need to get some eyeballs on this HBO Max app in America. This mm. became the perfect thing to use for it because it was something that we can drive people to that to that app. Um, because if it wasn't for that, I don't think there'd be any reason because everyone would be coming out in the cinema. They'd have a whole slate of stuff in the cinema. They wouldn't have, they wouldn't have given yeah. a shit They're putting stuff on, on that app thing, you know? So, yeah, I think yeah. it's down to that. And, and, yeah, I, I, people, and, are, sorry, you go, man. people are people are privileged, man. They, they, yeah. they do think, do you know I mean, they've got a right to stuff that you mm-hmm. don't have a right to. Do you know what I mean? It's like, yeah, because something doesn't conclude the way you want it to, that yeah. does it you know, been tough? Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, do you know what I mean? You're one person. Do you know what I mean? It's like when I'm reading all these reviews, I, you know, I'm like, no, it was perfectly fine. Do you know what I mean? That's my opinion. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, just, you know, just suck it up and see. Mm. Do you know what I mean? If you're not happy with it, fucking imagine yeah. your own ending. Do you know what I mean? Big well, deal. Like, think about us, like, we we love The Walking Dead comic book. And the comic book, yeah. that with the screen wasn't what we thought it would be. That doesn't invalidate what The Walking Dead is. People can watch it and they can enjoy mm. it. And that's it. It doesn't mean it mm-hmm. doesn't. Doesn't change it. We don't want it remade, and it's just like fuck it. That's what that is. Yeah. But even like the stand has been remade three times, and we love it. You know, we don't love every yeah. version of it, but it's like, well, it's, it doesn't matter. It's, it's yeah. If you, if you don't, if you don't like it, stop watching. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean, that, that's it. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean, don't don't go and with your fucking keyboard warrior. Do you know what I mean, I demand this and that. It's like just stop watching it. If it's not and, for you, then don't be for you. Yeah. And bear in mind, all this stuff is adaptation. It's an that's the whole point of the word adaptation. It's not supposed mm. to be a literal translation. It's it's taking the source and adapting it for a new medium. It's not supposed yeah. to be. So anyway, yeah. So that would be a good topic for one week. Is adaptations that are better than the source material? Oh, mm. I like that. I like that one. That that's that. Well, see, that's, that's tough because like you could look at like all the comic book stuff, right? So for example, all the all the MCU stuff. Mm. They have elements of different um, mm. versions, you know. So, like, mm. there's no direct link to Iron Man Two. There's no sort of. It's like they've got a character from the comic brought in, you know. So it's like it's tough to really sort of like sort of hone yeah. in it, you know. Good one um, to think about. Or I'm quite, I'm quite, quite into that. Like, kind of better adaptations in this source material. That that's probably a few Stephen King ones in there, maybe. Mm. I'm gonna go Ready Player One. I thought it was a better film than book. I don't think I've read the book yet, but I will. I will take take your word for that. Um, same way, um, live, repeat, die, edge of tomorrow. I thought the film was better reading. I enjoyed the book, but I thought the yeah. film was more cohesive and more kind of, you know, kind of streamlined to fit the you know a kind of cinematic vision as well. I, yes. I enjoyed that a lot. Battle Royale, what, I think as well. Oh yeah, although I did like I did like the comic book of Battle Royale. Oh, there was a book before uh, that as well. Yeah, I read the manga comic um, years ago. It was actually the first manga comic I ever read, like yeah. proper back to front manga style. And I was like, "This is fucking weird," but you soon you, you get used to it quickly. I read the novel, and I really, I really like the novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, yeah. That, this is this is a podcast that it's on, dude. That kind of episode one week. Yeah, so yeah, so brand new cherry. Anything else Still watching Only Murders in the Building, so we watched episode five or six of that last night. Um, nice. Again, it still continues to charm. It's just every time Martin and Short are on that screen together, it's just, I get pure warm and fuzzy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It just makes me so comfortable and 
and content and happy and they're just they're, they're amazing. I guess I guess they're a double act for a reason. Do you know what I mean? But um, well, it, magic it, happens when they're on screen. They are friends. It's a bit like if you watch that film with um, uh, Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci, the women they're sort of play the, the the lovers who are like sort of traveling through the Lake District. It's sort of like one of them saying good, they're saying kind of goodbye to relationship because one of them's got sort of dementia. And the, you get the fact they're very good friends out of like in the real world, you, you'd get that mm. sort of real comfortableness and real kind of like a sense of like these people, you know, they, they like each other and enjoy working with each other. You, you do get that very much from that as well. Um, if you, I'm trying to remember the name of that film. I think it's called, it's not, it's not, it's not called The Farewell, but that's one with, um, I know the one you Fina. mean. Um, um, but yeah, it's definitely, it's got that. You, you do, there's this instant chemistry that's just magic. Um, Selena Gomez, um, not, not to be besmirched, is fucking outstanding in this as well. I've liked um, Selena that, Gomez in a lot of things, actually. I, I think she's got a lot of charm. She's got chops, man. The girl can act as well, but do you know mm. what I mean? She, she knows how to fucking put in a performance. But um, no, it's, it's really good, man. You'll enjoy it when you get into watching it. It's one fun, fun that you enjoy. It's just, you know, it's pure comfort. You, do you know what I mean? You sit down, it's like 26 minutes an episode, and it just, mm. you know, washes over you. And by the end, you feel nice about yourself. You feel happy, and you get on with your day. The film, um, I think, the film I think we call him first, and it's uh, just called Supernova. That's the name ah, of the film, yeah. Supernova. Which is just out like a few weeks ago, wasn't it? it a couple of months ago, went, yeah. yeah. Yeah, came and went quickly. But um, that, that's pretty much my whole viewing experience, for, apart from What If. I watched What If as well, as well but that's my that's my, my whole viewing for this, this week, unfortunately, due to work. I enjoyed this, or quickly, I enjoyed this week's What If. It felt like that's what What If should be, you know, being silly, being fun. Yeah. And ultimately telling a slightly different story than what is seen in the comic books. Like, I felt like some of them have been, not comic books, in the movies, have basically just done the movie again, just with different, yeah. different face, you know, on mm-hmm. it, which is kind of boring. Like, I know mm-hmm. that story, give me something different. And I thought that done what it should do. It gave, actually did give me a a slightly different take on it. Um, yeah, absolutely. And surprisingly, they got, they got pretty much the entire voice cast back. That was a really amazing. Like, Hemsworth yeah. done... Um, yeah, because I thought the big three were out, but it must just be Downey Jr. and... Um, Scarlett Johansson. Sc- oh, Scarlett Joe as well. And Chris Scarlett Evans and, is um, out as well. Yeah. And Downey Evans. Jr. Yeah, but this, and also I know mm-hmm. Batista's not doing it because he's, um, he, he's he's not happy with um, Marvel generally. Well, what's going on with him and Marvel? I know he had the... Uh, I, 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 I think he asked with the James Gunn thing, and you don't, I think he's just sort of... I think the James Gunn film, the new the Guardians 3 could be called for him... Can, contractual obligation um, I don't think he wants to do it but I think he's sort of demanded to do it so I don't think he'll be doing much else um, oh that's not good I hope he doesn't kind of phone it in then do you know what I mean I know they're all like kind of the it's almost phoning it in to make that role better somehow possibly because like, yeah. that's what I'm going to say it's, he's such a kind of stoic awkward character that yeah. you know the delivery could be completely deadpan and it would still land every, every gag yeah. um, but no I, I hope he doesn't do you know what I mean um, he's I think Somebody like The Rock, I could understand burning bridges like that because they're big enough to, you know, bounce off of that and their career's going to be pretty much unaffected. But somebody yeah. like Batista, you've got to wonder, what damage is that going to do to his career? Because... He's in June, so I mean, he's, he's getting, still getting, but he's still getting work, so he's mm. not going to... But I, I, I think he's going to struggle in time. I think he's, limited, I think he's got limited acting ability, so I would be, yeah. I'd be much as I wonder how... He's not got the charisma of a rock, for example. Yeah, yeah. So you yeah, wonder yeah. how long just being who he is is going to last him for. Because I remember seeing him in that Blade Runner film and I thought, like, you've got nothing in this film. Yeah, yeah. You know? There's a lot of stuff I've seen him in and it seems to be 
straight to Amazon or straight to DVD or yes. straight to Netflix. You know, that seems to be where he's, he's sliding into. Yes. Um, which, which, it's a shame because I, I do like him. He's a like over guy, but yeah, you don't want to burn him, burn him to Disney Bridge. That's yeah. the fucking dangerous game we play. Um, do not, do not burn him to Disney Bridge. You know, Disney, yeah. Disney's a guaranteed payback. You got to think, even yeah. like if you're like someone like um, Darcy, you know, you're in two films, um, you don't, Get picked up for third, but all of a sudden you just bring you back for a TV show. Yeah, totally. She's set for life off of that Aye. one. Do you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, Disney's just such a monster now, isn't it? You wonder how how far reaching their influence is on projects out with Disney. You know, if this actor's difficult with Disney, where does that reach to out with as well? Do you know what I mean? Which you know, is scary, scary. Um, just very, very quickly talk about as it, I love that we mention The Rock every episode. It makes yes. me happy. Um, just very quickly, I've watched the first two episodes of Young Rock. Is this basically a, a bit like um, Everybody Hates Chris, the Chris Rock one? Kind, kind of, yeah. It's basically yeah. The Rock, um, you know, and his stories of growing up. Because obviously when he grew up, his dad was a wrestler, his granddad yeah. was a wrestler. He had all these famous wrestlers in his house and you know, in his life and stuff like that. So it's just like we kind of anecdotes almost, but oh, okay. kind of play, played out on, on screen. What's really, really good about it, though, is um, you might know the fella's name off the top of your head, but the guy that, that plays um, the FBI agent in Scott and um, One Division, the one that was yes. Ant-Man. Ant- yes, yes. He plays, the, at the start, they have like an interview because the Rocks might be running for president in 20 years. So it's like kind of those two having an interview. Uh, okay. And he is Funny as fuck, man. He is he very totally, funny. Yeah. His lines are perfect. He just like he proper makes me laugh at a watch yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you need your own show. So it's worth watching purely for that if you don't like The Rock. But if you like The Rock as well, then it is, it's, it's, it's got a nice charm to it. And there is a lot of kind of throwback references to, you know, the wrestling heydays of the kind of 80s and 90s and stuff like that as well. But it's actually actually enjoyable. Um, yeah. yeah. Anything The Rock does tends to be, he doesn't do much in the way of, bad he might do like kind of mediocre or that's not my thing but i don't think he really does particularly bad he has he's certainly found his niche now i think he, there was a little point maybe a bit maybe five years ago he was trying to sort of do a lot of, like try to do stuff like san andreas and that film faster and things like that. I mean, he's trying mm. to be a little bit more like stoic you know maybe mm. more more of an actor you know sort of maybe a bit more yeah. pathos um, and i think he's realized very quickly that his his strong suit is not in that. His, you know, he, he does do better in things like Fast Nine and all that kind of stuff, or yeah, Jungle quir- Cruise quir- and all that quir- kind of stuff. Quippy action, quippy action movies. Yeah, that's exactly where he is. He, he is, he is the Arnold Schwarzenegger. I mean, that, that's who he is. He, he's, mm. he's like this generation Schwarzenegger. Do you know what I mean? He, he kind of throws out lines and picks up heavy things. Do you know what I mean? That's, that's it. Yeah, and they're, um, rough, they're quite similar in size. I was, I remember looking at this at one point. I think Arnie's slightly smaller, but Arnie's slightly shorter. But if you put, uh, them like, you put them like side by side, if you like pound for pound, there's not much difference between them. Between them, my money would be on the rock for sure, but he's got the wrestling kind of. You know, he can, I don't know. I think Arnie. I'm, I'm still going with Arnie. Although, say that there was that cut with Arnie where the guy fly kicked him and uh-huh. bounced off him. Yeah, and, like that's, that was... and that's Arnie at like 65. <laughs> Imagine <laughs> Arnie was like when he was 20, like that, so like you know, that, pure muscle. <laughs> that was quite extraordinary. That for you, right. just you know, fly kicking nothing. Um, just last thing I'll mention, and you can carry on so is um talk about the rock having range and he went through this kind of weird transitional phase um i've got a copy of i'm going to watch it soon southland tales oh, I've got it. 
I've got it. I, um, I, I've, I've seen it years and years ago, and I don't remember much about it, but I do remember it being batshit crazy, utterly fucking nuts. And I remember Kevin Smith being in it as well. He plays a paraplegic Iraqi war veteran. Yeah, so yeah. I'm going to revisit that because I think it, it seems to be one of the most divisive movies I've kind of seen reviews on. People either love it or they just don't fucking get it. Do you know what I mean at all? It seems to be all or nothing with this film. So I'm, I'm going to put it there. I revisit. thought it was fucking crap. I thought it was bad. Right. right okay. Um, I go back and forward on because Richard, it's Richard Kelly who wrote the, mm. um, who wrote Donnie Darko. And I go back mm-hmm. and forward on this because I, because I, I, I think that was down dark. I think it's a piece of genius. I think that was down dark. Mm-hmm. This is shit. This is fucking. Especially when I listened to the, um, the director's commentary of Donnie Darko, and I was like, "This the guy going. This is what this means." I'm going. You can't just say the light going on means that when there's absolutely no fucking inference. That's what the light going on means because how how the fuck's an audience supposed to know that just by you turning a light on? It makes no fucking sense. And. That annoyed me because it felt like you know he was sort of explaining the story and the narrative by what he knew in his head, but no one else knew. It's like that, that's, that's not how the story works. You've got to at least give the audience half a chance to understand what's going yeah. on. Yeah, um, it's Chris, Chris Nolan territory, there, isn't it? You are you know what's happening, but no one else knows what's happening. Uh-huh. And you came out thinking, Why did that fucking any of that make sense? Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. like, I don't know if you've seen remember Don Darko, but Don Darko was I've seen shoots outside the house for no reason and a light goes off or light goes on. I can't remember when the light goes on, light goes off. And he goes, Everything from this point on is a dream. That's what he said in the director's conference. I'm going, how, how the fuck's an audience supposed to know that? Like, how is it like anyway? So that shit annoys me. But that it, it's me. good though. I, I do like what you're saying, but like you've got like like a film, do you know what I mean? Can make you love and hear it at the same time. I think that's that's quite Quite unusual. It's quite good that they can do that. But I mean, make a film that, that each time you yeah. watch it, you'll come out with a different outlook on it. That's fucking that's skillful as well. Well, you think about something... us. Think about us. We were talking about um, Ghost Story back in the day. Remember that one, uh, David Lowry mm. film? You know, yeah. same idea. Now, this, I guess, says a lot that um, Richard Kelly. I, was, I mean, I'm, I'm sure Donnie Darko made him a lot of money, but he's done Donnie Darko, Southland Tales. In a film called The Box, one with Cameron Diaz, you press a button and someone in the world dies somewhere. I think it's like a bit right, I've seen that yet. Yeah. Um, but you press a button, you get a million pounds or something like that. But somewhere, someone in the world, someone will die. Yeah, oh, I'd push a button and I'd be fucking Can I have a second shot, please? <laughs> <laughs> but I think it, it may be based on old Twilight Zone episode, I think, from what. Mm. Um, I remember I might be totally wrong with that, but oh no, it's based on a Richard Matheson story. That's what it is. Right, I quite, okay, okay. I quite like that one, but other than that, he's done nothing since. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what the story is there. Is it something like, was it bad on set? Was someone that all of these films just, they fail so just, spectacularly that they've decided to ditch them? He's given up. Well, maybe he just ran out of steam, I guess. That happens as well, doesn't it? You just, well, yeah. you know, you flash in a pan, a couple of great ideas, then it's like, what next? So, I, I, I don't know. Uh, nope. Richard Matheson, he's responsible for some good stuff. Like, I am legend and stuff like that. Obviously, Last Man on Earth. Do you know what I mean? Now, kind of the Mega Man. Now, stem for that. He's um, and the book's great as well. Um, but yeah, Richard Matheson's, um, yeah. He's, he also wrote um, George 3 as well. <laughs> well, well, it, it, it wasn't always good. I mean, <laughs> he wrote Jewel as well, the um, Steven Spielberg film. Hmm. You need to, you need to on that as well. It's terribly made, but high on tension. 
Yeah, I, 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 I bought the anniversary Blu-ray recently, and it's, it holds up really well. It's a really well done. Yeah, show. I, I mean, there's not much to it. Do you know what I mean? It's like you know, a car and a truck in a fucking desert. That's yeah. pretty much ninety percent of that movie. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it works, man. It works. Absolutely. Yeah, totally, hundred percent. Um, right, man. Um, yeah. So I've watched before we go into that. So we'll talk about the major things. Mention one with you that you may want to try and find out because I found out recently that YouTube is a, a bastion of in public domain films. I kind of knew this because I watched one for, have you ever heard of the character Rogue Trooper? No. It's from a British sci-fi comic called 2000 AD. Just yeah. His, yeah. His, his home. So they had um, a comic book called Rogue Trooper, which is basically about in the future, there's a big kind of war that destroys the planet and they create these blue skin genetic infantrymen who can go in and, you know, they can breathe poisonous toxins and stuff. Like oh, that. Okay. And when they die, each time one of them dies, you can take the chip out of your brain and put it into a piece of your hardware. So effectively, your body becomes your gun or your heart or your backpack. All right, okay. Um, brilliant story. One of my favourites of all time from 2008. Um, but there's a, a, a kind of fan film on that of Rogue Trooper, and it's fucking superb. It just okay. wakes the appetite, if nothing else. So, sorry, carry on. No, like, what, again. Other part of the main film is, is like older films, like things were made back in the 20s, 30s and 40s. They're all available oh. on it. That's sort of like the oh. falling out of um, copyrights. You can sit and watch all them for free. And it's you're not breaking any laws. Just, these are on, they're, they're not owned by any studio now. They're just public domain films. Um, oh. So I sat and watched okay. one. And um, later I sat one's called The Dark Corner. Right. Which has got Lucille Ball in it. Um, like a wow. young Lucille Ball. And it's like sort of, uh, it's like a private detective um, sort of gangster mall story. So when was this made? 40s? 46. 50s, 40, 46. 46. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, so it's, it, I really enjoyed it. It's, it plays like what you expect from like a film noir. It, it just plays like that. I, I would think that you were watching, I know uh, your good lady's very much into sort of the older films as well. So oh, have, we looked, indeed. have we looked through YouTube, you can get, so just type in like films in the public domain and you'll get like a list of the, all these films you can sit and watch on YouTube, completely free. Um that are available to watch, available to watch. Oh, that works for me because I've got one of the apps on Now TV as the YouTube channel. Yeah, so we can exactly. watch it on the big TV as, as well. Um, is, are they in the original quality and stuff? Original like quality, that? yeah. So, Sometimes they sound a little bit dodgy, like the mouth, like it's a wee bit quicker than, like, you know, the mouth yeah. going, like, just because of the way they've been transferred. But generally, I watched, the one I watched recently was really well done. And you'll be quite excited to know, for some reason in this country, a lot of the Godzilla films are in the public domain. Oh, cool. So like right, all that's... the old Godzilla films, are like some of the really early ones are all, all there, so you can watch them completely free as like well. 1950s Japanese Godzilla? Yeah. Fuck me, that's, yeah. Um, that's a treasure trove to be exactly. wondered. So I will say to Lorraine, and I will look that up as well, that's mm. exciting, man. That's yeah, good. I think like 9-11 Dead is one of the most famous ones. That's in the public domain because Romero didn't do the copyright on it right or something, so mm. that's why that one can get remade and, re and basically like 500 companies will put that out on Blu-ray and DVD because yeah. there's no need to get any sort of copyright from anyone. They, they can basically make pure money for What did you think of the remake of that? The, the car remake they've done? Remember where, was it Tony Todd? Was it Never saw it. it. Well, if you're not, it's no, really, not. right, watch it. it. It is almost... Shot for shot. Possibly the, yeah. the, the most accurate shot yeah. for shot I've ever seen. Um, and it is also so, in cycle. I think just yeah, I think so. Um mm. there's no asshole shot in it, unfortunately. But, yeah. but I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, but I think that there's a real love went into mm. making it so close to the original. I mean, I think there's just mm. pure heart involved in it, and that comes across in the film as well. It's 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 not just I mean it is a remake, but you know, it's it's got 
it's got so much feeling in it that you know you watch it again and you're like, wow, this is you know this is giving the original movie even more kind of kudos. Yeah, that 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 had if it needed more. Yeah, watch it, did watch yeah. it. Sure. Um, another thing I watched this week, one that you might have, I'm sure you must have watched it, 1995's biggest box office failure, the one that would be Sunka Studio, um, pretty much the biggest box office failure of all time. What world? What world is not a failure, it's a fucking great movie, so I'm not going to get... I love what I love what world. This game prior, it stars Matthew Modine. Oh, Cutthroat Island. I bought this years ago on DVD, and I've never sat and watched it, and I watched it, just to see... How bad the worst film ever made was, and how bad it really was. You know what? Not that fucking bad, dude. I, I, I enjoyed loved it. that film. There is yes. nothing wrong with it. I don't know what people thought they were getting or what they wanted, but yeah, I watched it. And I'm like, this is fucking a big fucking rollicking adventure film. Yeah. It's fucking well done. Yeah, I, I had a great time with it. I thought, um, who's a baddie in it again? Um, it's Skeletor. Um, Frank Langella. Like, uh, no, Frank Langella, yeah. He's yeah, having a whale of a time. Ah, Gina Davis is... Gina Davis is phenomenal in it, yeah. She's lovely. Matthew Medine that rarely disappoints. Yes. Rarely. Do you know what I mean? He is, fucking... he is slightly channeling Carrie Elways in The Princess Bride, and, I, and it made me pain to watch Carrie Elways in The Princess Bride a little bit. I felt like he was doing the same performance a little bit. Yeah. But other than that, yeah. I like, I watched it going, this is, this is an enjoyable, fun film. I really, absolutely love this film. It's like John Carter. People just hate it, and you're like, "But why? I don't see." Yeah. Why does that? Maybe you don't like it. It's not your genre. It's not your particular, you know, film style. But oh. I don't get. Yeah, Cuthbert Island was fucking fun. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It just it's, rolls along, and it's essentially a Pirates of the Caribbean. It really is. It's exactly. It's just oh. exactly the same template as Pirates of the Caribbean. It's almost got the same sort of beats as Pirates of the Caribbean. It's got yeah. the same sort yeah. of like MacGuffin is is that as well. So it's like it's a yeah. total. It's very odd how, um, like, I know it was a box of a food. I'm probably like, why is that box of a food? I don't, I don't really get it. Unless maybe people just fed up with that kind of film at that time, like, like that in yeah. the early 90s or something. But no, I watched it and I did not regret watching it. I actually oh, enjoyed good it. For, I'm glad that's both of us. Is it Rennie Harlan directed it? Rennie Harlan directed it, yeah. Yeah, on, on that's why Gina, Gina's in it because he directed it and stuff like that. that that's why. Were they married? Um, I believe so. You can reference that for me and check and see. I think so. Oh, I could I be mistaken, but I, I think didn't know that. Maybe I could. Oh, be, he was, yeah. They're married for like five years, ninety-three to ninety. Yeah, well done. Yeah, sir. so I think, yeah, yeah. Um, so she was, she was his, uh, obviously his muse for a wee spell. I mean, they've yeah. done a few films together and stuff like that. But no, did Cuthbert Island's great? I, I just don't understand this hate for it at all. I don't get it. I don't. Get yeah. it. I didn't know it was one of the biggest box office flops of all time. Yeah, it, it, the, the studio who made it um, went under because of it. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and was it? I take it the budget was huge. I think it. it was a pricey movie to make it. Even and at the I time. think there was problems making it as well. So I think the budget maybe went. Yes, over I think you've lot. got that kind of idea of like <laughs> the kind of water world idea because um, I'm trying to look at what the budget was now for it. It was made on right, it's made for a 98 million budget and it co- <laughs> it made 10 million at the box office. So yeah, that's oh, that's um, oh, 98 million and that's back in when was this? 80... 95. 95. Yeah, 95. So back then, and for inflation, that's a fucking lot of money for a film. Do you know what I mean? But, it, right. but do you know what? The budget shows, though. I think, you know, yeah, when you're watching... It looks expensive. You can, yeah, you can see, you know, the, the set pieces are big. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't shy away from, you know, 
fucking delivering at all. Um, Adjusted for inflation, it lost 147 million. Jesus Christ, man. I, did, I didn't know it done that bad. Yeah. Yeah, I'd never seen it in the cinema, um, but yeah, I've watched it on DVD a few times whenever it's on TV. I'll kind of catch it, and exact same as you. I'm like, I like this film. Yeah, um, no, it, it lost a it. lot of money. It lost a lot of money. Oh, so that's why, yeah, so basically, basically sunk a studio, but I actually enjoyed the fuck out of it. I actually thought yeah. it was a lot of fun. Absolutely. It's, one you would, it's a film you can imagine sitting with your kids, do you know what I mean, and just swashbuckling. You don't get that many anymore, do you know what I mean? It's just like a good old family film, do you know what I mean? Well, I, I sat and watched it on a Sunday afternoon, and it's a perfectly good Sunday afternoon film. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And as you say... Um, Pirates of the Caribbean gets all the love, but this doesn't. But I would maybe even go as far to say is it's, if not just as good as better than Pirates. I would disagree. I think Pirates is definitely a better version of it. But the idea, like, I've recently gone, oh, this killed the pirate genre, you know, of movies. Um, and it, it stopped it being a, like a, a bankable prospect, right? So I'm going, well, I think made... fucking Yellowbeard done that long no, but, like, that film ever did. It was made in 1995 and Pirates came out in 2002. So it's like, it, did, it killed it for seven years. That's not killing anything off, you know. That's like yeah, that's yeah. Like, it's like <laughs> let's have a wee break, which happens. That, that's a natural. Kind that's of, a natural, you know. Right yeah, now, you like, have a break and then back into it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Anyway, so yeah. So I watched that as well. So we'll move on to the well film. Done. I'm I'm proud of you, man. Thank well you. Done. I have a lot of old films. I used to, I used to need to yeah. through them all. So anyway, so <laughs> move on to things that are more that are definitely newer than Cutthroat Island. Um, one that's out just now on Netflix. The film called Kate. Um, directed by Cedric Nicolas Troyan, who directed the film called The Huntsman in the Winter's War. If you remember that one, the, the sequel to I the... Do. Yeah. The Which Hems- I enjoyed, I think I enjoyed more than the original one. Yeah, yeah I agree. One. This is the film that Hemsworth was in that he sort of forgets, well, all forget Hemsworth was in, because it's sort of like he'd done it in between Thor's possibly. Yeah, maybe, yeah. He was doing a sort of weird Scottish, Australian, British accent, remember? Uh-huh, I do remember. Do remember that, okay? uh, it was. Um, yeah, I think he was going for Scottish, wasn't he? But I think he was going he, for Scottish. Yes. He, he didn't quite, didn't quite land it. Out with fucking, you know, Scotty from Star Trek. Who can nail it really? Do you know what I mean? Very few, very few. <laughs> um, so anyway, so yeah, so that was um, that was one. Um, that's that was our previous directing um, film of note, really. Um, this film's based about a, a, a hit woman or sort of an assassin who is basically injected with something that's going to kill her, um, and she has to protect the daughter of a former victim of hers um, and also find out who done it and kill the people who are going to kill her, or who have killed her, essentially. So it's a bit of a crank idea, you know, sort of idea that like you're going to die. You've got, like, 24 hours to get vengeance on those who killed you. It's like, um, have you ever seen DOA with Dennis Quaid? Yes, like DOA. Yeah, that, that's exactly where it's coming from, isn't it? But obviously, yeah. amped up and given sci-fi elements. Amped up, given sci-fi, and no Meg Ryan. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. So, <laughs> um, the assassin of note is Mary Elizabeth Winistead. Um, her handler in the film is Woody Harrelson. Um, they're the sort of two main actors in it. You get Miku, Patricia Martineau. She plays, um, sort of, he plays someone. And Y Kamara, Yoon Kamara plays sort of the young girl. Um, so yeah, it's it's an interesting film. It's it's. It's very Netflixy, you know, in terms of like mm. what it, what Netflix does. Very passable action thriller that looks cool, looks nice. Like a lot of stuff set in like like South Asia, so it's very like neon lighting and all that kind of stuff. Looks pretty pretty cool. And, you know, cinema, you know, cinematography looks good. Um, Cyberpunk, yeah, yes, a wee bit, yeah. But still, it's not mm. set in the future. It's set like now. Still, it's still set like sort mm. of now. Um, 
but it doesn't break any new ground whatsoever. Like it doesn't really do anything that interestingly new about you know with, yeah. with the genre, but it's very passable. Mary Elizabeth Winnerson is exceptionally watchable, and I'm always perplexed as to why she's not bigger. Like, is like she is she an action movie star? I've seen in a few films recently that are action films, and I don't know if I feel that's her genre. I don't I know. I think she was, she was actually good in this. She actually she pulled it yeah. off in this. I believed her. Um, it's, she's got a bit of the Atomic Blonde vibe, but maybe not quite the same stature as Atomic Blonde. But yeah. I find her a far more interesting and engaging actor than, say, uh, Brie Larson, who's playing Captain Marvel. I would Captain actually quite, I'd probably like to see Winnie yeah. play Captain Marvel instead. I think there'd be more empathy from that character if she was playing her. I don't Personally. know. She was in Birds of Prey and she was a huntress in that. And I guess that's kind of as close a flavour as we'll ever get to her being a Marvel superhero. I, yeah. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I, let's see, I'm just not entirely convinced that she is an action star. I don't know. Fair enough. I don't know. Totally maybe maybe I don't, I'm on the fence with it. I don't, I don't actually know yet. It's a weird one. Yeah, fair enough. I mean, I, I like her. I think she's a really good actress. I think no, she's yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, yeah. Like she's in a film called Smashed with Aaron Paul when she plays the two of them play like recovering alcoholics, which is amazing. She's like she should have been Oscar nominated for it. Um, she was amazing in that Ten Cloverfield Lane, her and John Goodman. Yeah. I thought she was brilliant in she that. Also, I'm also perplexed why she's not a bigger actress. I feel like she's got the she's got all she's like very good looking woman has all the skills to be an act or to be like sort of have you know have screen presence. Just hasn't quite punched through into sort of the big, big thing. I think it's just unfortunate because what she done, Scott Pilgrim, she was in Scott Pilgrim. Yes. And that's a cult hit. It's yeah. never quite kind of broke it through. And then the Thing remake, probably on paper, should have been a blockbuster because it's yeah. the remake of the fucking Thing. She's made, I mean? she's made good choices and things like with things that you go, that seems the right choice to make and to follow your career onwards. Mm. But it never seems to hit big enough to like push it almost yeah, whereas, whereas yeah. the film that she gets a lot more credit for the films that don't really make a big impact like for example Smashed yeah. was brilliant which that didn't make enough of an impact Ten Cloverfield Lane was brilliant but didn't make enough of an impact to sort of really push her forward whereas you remember her from like well, Scott Pilgrim is not really about a big hit but Birds of Prey is probably her biggest hit and even that she's only a it's it's, part, it's yeah she also said Final Destination as well she's in that yeah. yeah oh I didn't know she was in that yeah. I think one of them she's also in um She's in the worst Tarantino film. She's in Death Proof, remember? Oh, yeah, she's in Death Proof as well. Yeah, that is yeah. the worst Tarantino film, actually. Yeah, by a long way. So, she's been she's, she's making the right choices, but she's in the wrong place for the right choices, possibly. Yeah, absolutely. But I, you're right, she has got a magnetism. There's a charisma there yeah. that you, you watch her. Um, I think we've seen her... She was in Fargo season three. Yes. I want to say, yeah. As well. Yeah. And again, every time Excellent. she was on the screen, she's just... She lights it up. She's yeah, brilliant. absolutely. So brilliant. she was good in it. She I enjoyed her in it. Martino, who plays a young girl, um, that she's trying to protect. She's also good. In it. She's got a nice sort of dynamic with her. On that right side of not being an annoying child actor, you know, it's it's quite a, it's it's a fine line to tread. Um, not enough Woody Harrelson in it, but I think that about every film, you know, any film could yeah. use more Woody. Um, apart, I mean, I'm assuming we'll get lots of them in Venom, but I'm not really sure if we'll get enough of them in Venom. I'm um, quite mean, Lorraine, we're talking about this all night, actually, because um, Woody Harrelson, I was watching Solo, a Star Wars story, because I like to do shit like that. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking, like, you wouldn't have thought for, like, back in the day, like, you know, going from Cheers to what Harrelson would have became. He's really, I mean, He's proved time and time again that he can act and then yeah. some. 
Do you know what I mean? But the, the diversity of the roles that he takes and stuff like that as well, you just wouldn't have thought way back then this guy's going to, you know, he's going to make it. And Harrison's great. Yeah, he's great. And great. I think when you listen to his backstory of where he came from, you understand why he's continually going to push through and, you know, sort of will continue to work really hard and continue to sort of, you know, not give up. Was it um, his dad that was maybe killed by Hitman? No, awesome? his dad killed a judge and his dad was executed on death oh, row. Oh, that's right. <laughs> like, that's you know, right. Yeah, like... yeah, yeah, yeah. That's always like... It's a dark story. It's a dark story. Interesting life, man. So, yeah, so... But then I let it saying it wasn't him because it shows you these pictures of these three guys and it's like, yeah. that's not... Hold on a minute. That's not his dad. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. <laughs> anyway, anyway that, that's for another episode. Yes, that's for a different pod. Um, the villains in this are a bit underused. There's no real threat to them. That's kind of like now the standard thing. A lot of these kind of films, the villains are very underused. You don't really get a sort of sense of dread from them. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. The action scenes are fine. They're better than some of the ones we've watched recently. They're not quite as bitty, but you can still tell sometimes it's not it's not as fluid as we've came to sort of expect and appreciate. But it does. It wasn't as bad as like say, was it Mortal Kombat? It was really bad. I've not seen any more of combat. I'm Something we watched recently that. was absolutely terrible. Remember, it was like sort of. Oh, really the GI Joe. GI Joe. It's not GI yeah. Joe bad, but it's not yeah. Shanky good. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. You know what? You can tell mm-hmm. there's a bit of, um, a bit of a breakup. And um, there's a really odd car chase in it that almost feels like, like it's a video game, but it's not. It feels. It looks like it should be like sort of a cutscene from video games. So that was very. That was very strange. Um, but it is. It's prime for Netflix because I think if you put this in the cinema, it would have died a death. It would no one have seen it. It would probably have been you know out of cinema in less than a week, two showings and done pretty much. But mm-hmm. on Netflix, it's actually getting an audience because people are like sitting at home and nothing to do and they're still watching. They will watch this. So this is one of the ones you think. Well, like Netflix is actually a prime position for this movie to be in, um, and it works really well. Cool. So for a Friday night dumb action film, six out of ten. Yeah, which is I. Yeah, again, if you're not expecting much, you go in and you don't expect what you're going to get, and you get that, then you've won. Yeah, absolutely. yes, yep. I'm going, um, to, I'm going to watch it. It's actually on my, my to, to watch list, so we'll get into it at some point. So, yeah, it's not uh, a bad one. I'm um, looking forward to it more now. Yeah, yes. Um, on from that, we move on to the one that's in the cinema this week that we saw, which is called 12 Mighty Orphans, directed by Ty Roberts, who directed the film called This Side of the Dirt and The Iron Orchard, both of which I have not seen. Um, the plot of this film is it's set in during the Depression um, in America and there is a local orphanage who get a new teacher and he decides to make these orphan kids into an American football team and they go up against all the big schools to try and beat them to win the national championship and obviously no one likes them because they're the orphan kids and they'll make fun of them and they try and show by sheer grit and determination that they are the, you know, heart and soul means more than just talent, you know, and money can't, okay. money can't buy success type thing. You know? now- for the listeners, um, I don't I don't know how international the listeners. I don't know how many listeners we get. Does anyone listen? I don't know. But <laughs> but um, in America, college football is like fucking huge. huge. This is this is this is, not, this is more I mean, this is more high school football. High school. But even even that in America, massive, is, especially is in, big. You know, I mean, it's it's not over here where you get kids kicking a ball at a park. You know, over no. there, it's, you know, it's a big. But, you know, you get turnouts of like thousands possibly for, you know, high school games and college games, you know. And I think this nuts. is set in Texas, from what I remember, and Texas high school football is particularly huge. You've seen Friday Night yeah. Lights. That is not an over-exaggeration yeah. of how big moment high school football is. Yeah, uh, so just to give the listeners an idea, of, you know, what we're dealing with here, you know, this was a this was back then would have been fucking huge. I mean, huge, so, indeed. Yeah. Um, so in the film, you've got Luke Wilson playing the teacher. 
um, the new teacher in the, the and also high who school. Do, who does who doesn't love Luke Wilson? Well, we'll get to that in a second. Um, oh no! You've got Vanessa Shaw plays his wife. You've got Wayne Knight um, from well, everyone knows him from Seinfeld. Fudge Rock for the Sun. See, I don't. I think he's Jurassic Park. Well, yeah, as, he's as Dennis Nerdy to me. You all be Dennis Nerdy no. to me. He's, he's the cop in Fud Rock for the Sun. I think that's what I get all the time because okay. I've seen that before. I've seen Jurassic Park. So maybe Fair enough, right. To me, Jurassic Park. But anyway, <laughs> Wayne, you brought me home at Wayne Knight. Uh, yeah, yeah. Treat Williams pops up in it as well. Jake oh, Oscar my God. Walker. Treat yeah. Williams is Treat fucking Williams. great. Yeah, I love yeah. Treat Williams. You never see him. He's brilliant. Yeah, Jake Austin is Walker. This, was, is he this, is this still handsome? He's still a handsome, man. Uh, <laughs> Jake Austin Walker, also a very handsome man. He plays a sort of the, the top player in it and also playing the... The groundsman, assistant coach, local alcoholic is Martin Sheen turning up in very much. Oh, yeah. Good role for Sheen. That's yes. life also, that. he's, he's got a little tiny cameo on it as well. They're like literally in it for a minute, but they do share the screen for the first time since Apocalypse Now. Him and Duval are on the screen at the oh, same time. Wow. That's sweet, man. Apparently, they only, they only share the screen twice in two films, and that was in Apocalypse Now. And in this, and I thought that seems really like, odd. You surely must have crossed paths at some point in the past. More, no? Apparently not. Have you ever seen, um, quick digression, Grace and Frankie? Did you watch that at all? No. Martin Sheen's in that, and he plays um, he, him and, um, oh, what's the guy's name? The guy was in Law and Order and stuff like that with the grey hair and the black hair. Right, okay. I mean, yeah. Um, but, but they're a gay couple, and they tell their wives they're a gay couple, and they, they divorce their wives, who is uh, Billy Tompkinson and Jane Fonda. Right, okay. And they're kind of trying to live their separate lives, but but not. I mean, but it's oh. really really sweet. And I've got to say, like um, Sam Watson, that's it. Sam, Sam, Sam Watson, Watson yeah. and uh, yeah, and um, which is just make the best gay couple ever. They're so sweet. Man. It's just, it's just like, oh, is that comedy? Yeah, it's very. Did Martin, it's Sheen, very... Did Martin Sheen do comedy. He, he can. He's, he's. It's a very well written. Um, oh, Jane okay. Fonda and Tomlinson also for ladies in their late seventies, eighties. My God, can they fucking deliver a funny line still? Yeah, I mean, there's not. I mean, remember that film we saw? I can't. I can't remember the name of the film now. But Jane Fonda was in it for literally three minutes and pretty much stole the entire film. Yeah, absolutely. Was it, was it Money Monster? It. Was it Money Monster? She was in. Possibly. Like I think it may have been. But literally, but, um, she had about four minutes on screen and apps just completely blew away. And you rest and it's like. That, that was like, all you can think was like, who could be fucking Jane Fonda? Yeah, it was four minutes she was in. <laughs> no, Grace and Frankie, it's one that Lorraine watches now, dipping and out episodes now and again of them sitting in the oven when it's on. And every time I watch it, I'm just like, this is really good. I, I need to in proper, you know, invest in it from start to finish. But yeah, put it on your list. It's good as well. I will. Well, Martin Sheen to me is still the president. <laughs> he will always be the president to myself. Um, oh, from Dead Zone. From West Wing. Oh, I've never seen West Wing. Have you not? Is he not the like... president in Dead Zone? Who was that? Is that him as well? Was he the president? I'll, I'll look that up and you carry on with your. your... I remember. I remember him. I know. Oh, he might be because he's like no, he's he's mm. running for presidency. He's not the actual president. He's running for presidency. That's what it is. Let's uh-huh. Let me see. I'll look um, that up and you. And that's one. Um, that's one with Christopher Walken, isn't it? It is. Who is on full fucking walking? Walking mode. Crazy mode. Yeah. Yeah. Martin Sheen doesn't really. I like Martin Sheen. You ever seen that film he plays when he sees on the battleship that was back in time? I know the one you mean. Um, and they're like sort of, it's, the, the Philadelphia experiment? No, it's a different one on that. I can't remember now. It's oh, like basically no, they go back no. in time and it just sort of, they can intercept the Japanese fleet at Pearl Harbor. Right. So it's like, do they do they intervene or do they not? Because like, obviously, if they don't intervene, or if they intervene, that would stop America coming into the war and obviously it would take the world in a different direction And if they do it. Anyway, so... Back to twelve mighty orphans. So sorry, <laughs> it is a I'm very a stand, it's a very standard sports biopic. 
but it's not this is the thing. I love a sports biopic if it's made by Disney. Disney have a real knack for doing this properly. And yeah. they know how to pull the heartstrings, Disney, in a way that's other companies can copy it, but they don't quite get that punch. You know, yeah. they don't quite yeah. pull it off. And this is that it's it's completely passable, it's completely fine, but it just doesn't have that immediate punch. You've got Aww. Luke, you got Luke Wilson who he looks far too young still to be playing like a, a sort of grizzled teacher, essentially. He still looks like he's about 15 years old. It, it's a role that you just know if it's been made by Disney, Kevin Costner's playing the role. You know? What about, what about Owen? Would Owen have made a better Wilson role for the show? No, because they still sound like a fucking old stone, which they probably are, to be honest. <laughs> they still have that kind of feel about them. Um, he, doesn't quite have, he doesn't quite have the weight and the gravitas to pull off this sort of like serious teacher role, you know? It just doesn't really work for me. Um oh. And it's set in the like, 20s. So they're trying to make the script sort of like real. So every second word is either son or sir. Every time okay. they refer to anyone who's not a, a same age, they're called son. And any person who's oldest referred to as sir. And literally, if, you could have a 12-word a sentence and six of the words in it were son or sir. That's that pretty much how the, the dialogue goes. And it gets very repetitive and very infuriating very quickly. Um, oh, well. It... it it's, it runs for too long. It's like two and a bit hours long. It is uplifting. There is a nice story in it, but it's just a fucking long road to get to it. Um, and most of the supporting cast are like from absolute caricatures. Like Wayne Knight plays the runner of the orphanage and he's sort of like using it for profit and things like that. And he couldn't be more, you know, I'm the evil guy really, if yeah. he tries. You know, it's like he's, he's pretty, you know, so it's just, it's all fine. It's just a bit. Color, you know, paint me by numbers. There's not really. A you, lot were, of you were looking forward to this as well. And I, I do like, you, I like I a sports biopic. That's yeah, like, and you do like even, your Disney ones more so. Yeah. Um, like Disney one out a couple of years ago called McFarlane USA it was about like a running team. Kevin Costner, yeah. I have no interest in running team. I was, I went, this is a fucking great movie. I am completely invested in what this is. But that's Costner, though, isn't it? Uh-huh. That kind of done that. Maybe, you know, you put Wilson in that movie and. Yeah. It might fall for how was the how was the football scenes on it? How were they done? Were they, they looked done all right, they looked okay. I think they know how to shoot yeah. American football scenes, which is which is also something they've not really got over here when they're trying to shoot, uh, shoot soccer scenes. Mm. Um but yeah, it, like I said, it's just it's it's not a cinema film. It is one of the ones you sit at home on a Sunday afternoon and watch and to, to watch in the cinema does feel like a bit of a waste of, you know. Oh were you quite angry? Not angry, just sort of like I felt like I've 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 seen I've seen the same thing done better. You know, oh, did what did Jill think of it? She was a bit dulled by it as well. She doesn't really didn't love it. Just sort of, it's fine. What we wanted was we want miracle. You ever seen miracle the ice hockey one? Uh, no, no. Oh, Kurt Russell playing an ice hockey coach. Fuck it, it's a great movie. He's playing like Herb Brooks, this like American ice hockey coach, and they go and play the Russians for the world championship, and they have no chance to win. They're all college kids because the NHL doesn't let them play. And, oh, proper good Disney. So it do, it does sound like the Disney magic is in. The coach who recasts as the coach yes, that seems to be what, what yeah. makes or breaks because even things like the Mighty Ducks and stuff like that, Estevez, I mean, it seems to be you know that that kind of you need someone you need someone to deliver very almost cheesy lines, but with a sincerity that will you know that will land. Yeah, and, it gets you in the heart as well. Yeah, yeah. And guys like Costner can like there's lines that like I remember watching the Hidden Figures and like, there's a couple of lines in that you go anyone else delivers those lines and it's going to fall completely flat. But Costner delivers mm. them and it feels real. 
he can do it. Kurt Russell can do it. Ed Harris can do it as well. Yeah, Harris can do that as well. Can deliver sort of very, like if you watch Apollo 13, he delivers exceptionally cheesy lines in that, but when he says them, it doesn't feel cheesy. It feels real. You actually go, I I would get behind that guy and I would follow that guy to the end of the earth. So you need somebody to do that. And Luke Wilson, for all the love we have for Luke Wilson, I mean, he's a lovely man and he's a great comedy actor. He doesn't have that punch and that panache to deal with it. So, so I think that's this is moving his effort to step up and he's just I think it felt it does feel like he's trying to like sort of move into a different kind of like sort of track of a career. Um, mm. and I can see what the attraction to is a film that will probably get a lot of play because of what it's about, but yeah, it just doesn't really do it. Um I give it it's not give it a six out of ten. You know, it's it's, it's yeah. not bad, but just yeah. maybe it just I wanted more. I wanted more. Um, I think the comparisons we were talking about though, that's Fucking high bars to yes. things like the Mighty Ducks, McFarland, USA, things like that are you know they're, they're hard, hard yeah. films to follow. And the other ones well. you want to watch, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Friday Night Lights as well, good one as well. Anyway, mm. on from that we go on to uh, it's on Netflix and the rest of the world, but in this country it's on Sky Movies and it's called Gunpowder Milkshake, um, directed by oh. Nana Papa Shadow, who directed a film called Rabies and the ABCs of Death Two, and um, both of which oh. I have not seen. I don't think. ABCs of Death, I believe, is a compendium of movies, like yeah. in a short two to 15 minute long segment. So he'd have had a segment, and it came segment of that, yes. one of them, I think. Or was it Seasons he done, maybe? Um, oh, Smith done Seasons, not ABCs of Death, but there's some big names that do ABCs of Death. I think the guy done The Raid might have done one, the guys who done like Your yeah. Next and stuff like that, and Guest stuff, they might have done something. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. So this is a film where there is a female hit woman who is trying to uncover who is turned against her. And she is going about having to protect someone and find out who's who's trying to take her out and kill them before they kill her. Okay, I like that. I like that the setup's good. Yeah. Which sounds very similar to the setup of um, uh, Kate, I think it was called. Yeah, Kate. yeah, Kate. So it's, yeah. Like it's the same. It's the same. Same fucking film. This um, seems to be a thing just now, as you know, who's who's out to get me. Um, the Mads Mikkelsen one that was out recently, but he was a hitman there to take out the squad before they got him as well. Yes. Um, that one, Joe, was kind of similar. Similar. I, I, I didn't mind Joe. Um, I didn't, no, I didn't, no, no, I one, Joe. I did like yeah, Joe. The one with Frank Grillo as well was kind of, do you know what I mean? I, I need to get them before. So it does seem to be, there's a theme just now. Where, you a know, genre. Hitman, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so in the film, you've got Karen Gillian, you know, and Vanessa's oh, own. Yeah. Uh, Lena Headey yep. as well, Carla Gugacino, Michelle Yeoh, Michael Smiley, Paul Giamatti, Ralph Vincent, and Angela Bassett. So a real, a very decent cast. Um, so the film. first, the first thing I've got to know about this cast is Giamatti go full Giamatti. No, he does not. And that was a big oh, disappointment. Oh man, you expect like he's almost becoming the the, the B list Nicholas Cage. Do you yes. know what I mean? It's like you know. We want you to do Nicholas Cage, and he's like, well, I'll fucking try, and he goes for it. Yeah. <laughs> I want Giamatti, like Giamatti, and shoot him up. Have you ever seen shoot him up? No, but I've oh. seen him in the, the one we were talking about with the Rock earlier on, the San Andreas. He was fucking yeah. bonkers. Oh, God, that. yes, he yes. Yeah. Off his head. Different film. Different film we play entirely. <laughs> um, so, like I said, yeah. a, a great ensemble cast. You know, we all like pretty much everyone in that. In it. Yeah. Um, but just fails to deliver on that promise. Um the action scenes seem very stilted and slow. There's it, it, it lacks a sort of the panache and the, the, the sweetness of a John Wick, which says this is basically like a John Wick type story. Yeah. And you realize, mm-hmm. it, like everyone says that John Wick films are very simple and they're very easy to do. And you realize now 
they're not dead simple and easy to do. There's a reason yeah. why those films work so well. It's because the guys who do them know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. And they try and copy it. You can get something approximating it, but what makes the John Wick film special is lacking from this. Um, one of the main things about it is, it's, I'm sorry to say, because I really like as an actress, but Karen Gillian just didn't vibe with me at all in it. She's wow. almost trying to play like a Tarantino-esque character in it with the sort of the dialogue. Lines. Number one, the dialogue isn't very good, so it comes off very badly. And she doesn't have, this doesn't play it in a way that I found particularly interesting. Um, oh. And she doesn't, quite have that movie star lead because she's very much leading this film. The other characters are very much supporting characters, whereas everything else she's been in, even in like Jumanji, she is not the lead. She is a she's sort of like it's an ensemble. Same mm. with like Avengers and all that kind of films. It's, it's an ensemble piece. She is asked to front a lot more in this. So everyone else is basically just backing her up. Um, so is she is she the protagonist in this yes. film? She's she's the one that's um I seen her recently and it's a film, hard directorial debut, I can't remember the name of it just mm. now, but it's a film um, set in her hometown where yes. she plays this nihilistic young woman that, that's, you know, hell bent destruction. She was the lead in that, obviously, and she was really good, but then that was a kind of dark, sad, horrible film to watch. It wasn't a fun film, um, whereas this sounds like it's meant to be fun to watch. And yeah, that's the thing, it's supposed to be fun. But it it wasn't really fun. It's it's trying to be bright. It's trying to be colourful. But at no point was I watching it like excited at any point to watch it. You know, it it, mm. it, it felt like I was just a bit dull by it. And it was a real shame because there's a whole kind of thing with librarians and there's like it's actually the lady hit women are living in, are in a library and they all check out books. I mean, inside the books, you're like gone. That sounds like you're checking out something. You want to check out the Jane Austen, so you get the Jane Austen book like a hanger in or something. Yeah, so, okay. Callie Gugacino is in it, and I love her. She's amazing. She has this really fucking awesome look, and you've got... Is she? She's... Remember that film? Which one? The, the Stephen King film? She's Chained to the Bed. All right, okay. I know what you mean. Uh, Gerald's Game. Yeah. Gerald's Game. Oh, she's yeah. the woman in Gerald's Game. Um, you get Michelle Yeoh, who is obviously Michelle Yeoh. She's... Fucking awesome, yeah. She's awesome. Um, but they don't get enough to do. So what they do do is fine, but it's it's all sort of leading on from her. Um, and it, it's just... It's too long. The middle is sort of very bloated. Yeah. And there's an action scene when she's tied to a chair. They're trying to sort of be quirky and clever with it. And it's just, it didn't make sense. And it's just kind of boring. And, and, and it's like, you know, like, again, I keep harking back to things like John Wick. Can you go, they would do that better. They, they would know exactly how to pull this off and make it feel real. Like unbelievable in a heightened reality, but still feel mm. real. This never felt real at any point. It all felt very movie. You can tell what the movie. I'm finding, what I'm finding strange is like you're kind of saying about the action scenes, and it's like um, Karen Gillan can do action. When you look at, you know, Guardians of the Galaxy, stuff yeah, she like can. That, she, she, she can. She can do it. She can choreograph well, and she uh, almost well doing shit like that. So I don't know. Well, so then it becomes, it, it becomes a stylistic choice of how they want to shoot it, how they want to cut it, how they want yeah. to present it. And the way they present it just doesn't. Wasn't interesting. Oh, yeah. that, that's a shame because I really like Karen Gillan a lot, and I mean, she's got such a promising career. It's a shame that you know this one seems to have missed the mark. Not everyone can be a hit, obviously, and sometimes you know. But um, I still like mm. as an actress. I, I'm, I really enjoy her as an actress. Did you ever hear the story about Karen Gillan when she was on set of like the first Guardians of the Galaxy? No. And she's she in the first. She's in the first Guardians of the Galaxy. She is, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and it was. <laughs> 
it was literally about a minute before shooting. She turned to the director and went, what accent am I doing? Because <laughs> apparently we're literally about, about 60 seconds away from having an Inverness-accented nebula. That was literally... Was like, <laughs> would that work? No, would it work? Would, would it work? Um, oh, no. No, I like the no, idea no. of like that. Literally, how he's going, what accent? He's like, oh, it's, um, yeah. it's like that, that, <laughs> that would be YouTube gold dust, or that would yeah. be like the David Prowse doing the, the Darth Vader, you know, kind of oh, like, lines as well. That would be on that vein, that would be a voice in it is different because they do obviously modulate it to make it sound like kind of a bit robotic. So, obviously, they do a mm. bit of dubbing on it to try and make mm. it or a bit of mixing it. So, but like, would you know, to mix an Inverness accent into sound robotics. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, that, that made me laugh. Um, the other thing about this film, and it's a film, it's something that a lot of films fall into, um, which is it thinks it's cooler than it is. Like, it's, like, I thought that about nobody as well. Nobody thought it was a lot cooler than I actually was. I'm going, I think you know what you want to be, but you're yeah. not what you think you are. And yeah. it's like giving yourself a nickname. You can't really give yourself a nickname. You have to let it be put upon you. Yeah. And I think being a cool film, you have to people have to just sort of say that's a cool film. You can't actively pursue it. Yeah, if you try and make a cool film, the fact that you're trying to make your film cool, yeah, you've kind of not cool. the point of it being yeah. a cool film. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. get you. Yeah, get me. Yeah, get um, it. So yeah, so I give this. It's a film of interesting ideas, but a lot of lost chances, like so things that could have worked but didn't work. Out of ten, five. Oh, right, okay, right down the fucking middle. Even, even at that, I think you're still quite generous. Five out of ten from what you're telling me is... Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like a, yeah. sounds like a three, reads like a five. So that's yeah. <laughs> Okay, cool. Right, I'll um, take that. Um, I'll maybe watch it at some point when I can get into it. But I think Kate sounds like the better choice. If looking Kate for is definitely badass, the better If you're going to go for your action assassin, assassin lady movie this weekend, I would definitely go for Kate over Gunpowder Milkshake. Despite Gunpowder Milkshake having a great title and Kate having a very boring title, yeah. um, Gunpowder Milkshake. Um, on from this, another film with a great title, which is called Prisoners of the Ghostland, which you were very excited, and I am going to ruin some <laughs> dreams for you, Colin, right now. Um <laughs> So directed by Sion Sono, who is, a, I think, a Japanese director who has done lots of Japanese work that I did, I have not seen, so you'll have to look up that yourself. Okay. And the plot of this film is there is an American in Japan who has been thrown in sort of the local jail for um, killing um, in a bank robbery. He is then taken out of jail by the local sort of warlord and instructed to go and find his daughter who has been kidnapped. Um, she's been held in a sort of was it a kind of um, like a wasteland that's been sort of devastated by a nuclear bomb, nuclear strike? Mad, Mad Max type. Mad Max style, yes. Dystopian world here. Yes. The rubber of the green is that he's wearing a suit that has got explosives attached to it. So if he doesn't find it quick enough, the explosives will go off. Um, so, there, so there's definitely there's a ticking clock on the um, on the rescue. Um, okay. In the film, you have Nicolas Cage playing the assassin man who can <laughs> on to find people. You get Sophie Butella, she play he, she plays like sort of an assistant in it. Nick Cassavetes and Bill Mosley pop up in it as well. Okay. Okay. Um right, did it blow the blow his testicle off? Is that scene good? His reaction to it's good. Is it a Nick Cage? It's a Nick, Nick Cage. Cage. He did go full yeah. Nick Cage at that point, yes. Wow, that's brilliant. This film is bad, Colin. This film is very bad. I'm very... sold on the testicle scene. Uh, it's not worth it, honestly. This film is talk, this film talk is me bad. down. Talk me down. I, it's, <laughs> it's, it's an interesting idea. It's not a bad idea. Um, yeah. what, it, what I've noticed with Nick Cage films recently, particularly ones in this 
over the sort of level of them. They have all have got really interesting ideas, but they absolutely, number one, do not have the budget to match the idea. And number two, they do not have the talent behind the camera to to do it. You know, it's it's Do you think they can? They cage, can't harness they, they can't, they can't harness cage, the cage cage. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It would be like having a world-class football team getting managed by you. You know, I like could, it's sort I of like could, I could do that. <laughs> you get the idea of what they've got to do, but ultimately you don't really know how to instruct them how to do it properly, if that makes sense. Yeah. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. I get no, I get you, man. I get you. And because of that, it does feel like Cage is sleepwalking through this a little bit. Like he is, it, this is definitely feels like one for the money. You know, it's not, it doesn't feel like it's yeah. you know, a lot involved in for him. Yeah. Um, the rest of the cast are like, I'm, I mean, if I say soap opera level, I'm probably being way too generous and probably too wow. mean to soap opera people. Even Sophie Bergera? She's fine. I think she's finally, she has to talk in a film. She's, it's a bit like some, you know, some muscle bound actors and you go, right, you're, yeah. you've got a presence, but then you try and talk. You've got no acting ability. It's like when Vin Diesel, not Vin Diesel, Vinnie Jones. Yeah. You can play a tough man. He can look tough and hard, but see, as soon as you try and talk, like, oh, fuck, no. Like, shh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, action scenes, again, so uninspired and dull. And even at 100 minutes, this does feel at least 40 minutes too long. Wow. You know, it's just, it's just, it's Jesus. so dull. It's, I'm trying to think, of, like, I, it's amazing that, I watched Willy's Wonderland with Nicolas Cage, and I would say that's a better film than this. And Willy's Wonderland was fucking atrocious. Oh, right. I've not seen that, so I'll take you. But did it do this whole? What I've noticed with Cage films more and more increasingly is they do this kind of where they take trippy shit and throw it in there. Just to, oh. I don't know why. Like they did it with Mandy, color purple stuff like that. There's, it's kind of trippy. It's not trippy. No, no, they don't. They don't even. It's not do trippy, that. and I think that's give Mandy its credit. Mandy had a Mandy and Call Out Space. Call Out Space I think, was directed by the guy who did. Um, uh, oh, is it New Zealand lad, the New Zealand crazy person, Richard? Is it Richard something? Taika Waititi. No, not Taika Waititi. Ah, I'm thinking. So my ignorance by not knowing this guy. Who's crazy? Sorry, I'm going to have to shut this up. The guy got kicked off his own set at one point when he was doing. Oh, that's that sounds pretty nice. I do like directors going off the rails. That's always a fun, a fun story. Who is it? Who is it? Color out of space. Color out of space. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the name of the guy. Who is it? Richard Stanley. Richard Stanley. That's who it is. He was doing that. He was doing a. Island of Doctor Moreau, remember the one with uh, Marlon Brando and Val Kilmer? Yeah, I liked that as well. Yeah. Well, he got kicked, he was yeah. he got done for like three days worth of filming on that, then get kicked off the set, went and hid in the jungle for the rest of the film, and then popped back up in the film dressed as one of the, the animals that no one knew. <laughs> so, a very interesting man to listen to, and he has a dis- genius. There's a documentary on I think Amazon all about the making of Island Doctor Moreau and how bad a set it was and how bad a filming it was, and this is one oh, really. Val Kilmer apparently just made, like basically um, he spat on someone or he just sort of like put cigarettes out in someone's hair just to prove a point and things like that. So apparently completely oh. mad shit happened on this. I set. need to that sounds yeah. like better than this film you've watched. Yes. I need to but watch my point that is instead. when you're watching that film, when you're watching Color of Space, Richard Stanley is director. You may not agree with the vision he's got, but he has a vision. He has something in mind. He has something he wants to try and put forward. This director doesn't have a vision. It's just sort of like. It's so B-movie, generic, nothing. It just looks cheap a lot of the time, rather mm. than being in, in any way interesting. Um, and that was does it. Does it have a budget? Does a budget show anywhere? Or? 
you know, no, is it a cheap looking movie? I think it looks cheap. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't. So a few a few reviews I said have said that as well. You know what the kind of sets are really shoddy, and it you know there's no there's no money to be seen in in the sets and stuff. Yeah, I think that I think that's it's definitely looks like a film that was made on a on a real weak budget and just just trying to to stretch it as far as they can. But ultimately, you can only stretch a budget list so far, and yet sometimes you've got to try and work your limitations as opposed to try and overstretch. I think as soon as you overstretch, that's when it looks cheap. Yeah. Um. um just on a wee garden, wee garden path, because we can't do forty-five minutes. Before, I think we're proving that time. Oh, definitely, we're forty-five minutes now. Uh, <laughs> cheapest film, um, I believe, ever made was one called um, Colin, Strange Enough. Oh, the uh, zombie film. It's a zombie film, and I believe the budget for that was was either fourteen or thirty-six pounds. Um, yeah. Because the guy knew a lot of people, and he would get them to do like the makeup and stuff yeah. like that. Um, so, but I, I believe that's maybe the lowest budget film. Um, but it's like it's one of these things. Like the low budget films that you hear that are okay. Yes, they are very low budget, but the film you see is really the film that you that was made for that budget. Like yeah. there's a joke of like like El Mariachi was made for like a thousand dollars plus an RV and a turtle, right? The, mm. the El Mariachi that we've all seen is not the El Mariachi that was put in front of producers. Yeah. They've, they've dubbed it. They've redone the score. They've cleaned it up. They've fit, you know they've, they've yeah. made it look. Same with the, if you watch it, I've got the Blu-ray of Clerks. If you watch the yeah. original cut of Clerks, it's damn near unwatchable the way the first shot. It's it's so it's so grainy and so because it's it's done on like like you know like really string budget yeah string budget really cheap film. Some of the sounds not there. Some of the dubbing's not there. So what they do is when you get when you sell that film to a studio or a production company for like say thirty thousand dollars. They then spend like four hundred thousand dollars making it watchable to an audience, you know, and they'll put they'll then spend also an extra like say two hundred thousand dollars putting a soundtrack and a score to it that makes it cinematic. So oh. it's very rarely the film that's put out that you see in a cinema. Is the one that was made. It's one that's oh, made. It's just, there's that. a lot yeah. more done to them. What you think? Like oh, Tangerine, we, we love Tangerine had a really yeah. short budget, but there was still a lot yeah. more done to that. You like redubbed and it was redone, and bits of it were all che- like sort of just cleaned up and made more presentable yeah. to a, a film audience. It's very really easy film, yeah. Very really interesting, film. Yeah. 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 I think if, like, like even Blair Witch, you know, it, it, oh, I was it was made for like you know twenty grand. It wasn't. It was shot for twenty grand, but it was made for something like you know three hundred thousand. Yeah, there's, there's still money getting thrown at it to make it what you the division you see is not that you yeah. wouldn't watch the original version of that film. You would just be like, no, it's too, it's 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 not watchable essentially. Mm. Yeah, but I suppose it takes someone in the background to see to see yeah. that, though, isn't it? Someone yeah. looking so, but that's you know not great. Yeah. But I can see what I can yeah. do. Or well, it might look it. Okay. that film might look okay on a small screen in an edit suite, but you put it on a big. Mm. Projection and it looks terrible. You know, even Clerks yeah. now, you watch Clerks on a big screen now, it looks grainy. Yeah, yeah. If you imagine that back in 1994, going to put on a big screen like that, it would look, you know, awful. So they have to do something to make it, you know, make it presentable. Anyway, cool. um, at the prison, they've got on yet. Very cheaply made, poorly acted, awful action scenes, story's not there. It's a mess. Do not watch it. It opens, I'll give you this, it opens well to the point of going, I thought Nick is in. Nick Cage is sort of into this. I can see this is an interesting Nick Cage I'm going to get from it. That very quickly disappears. Oh. The tone's not... It's, another thing is, well, you don't know if it's trying to be serious or if it's being tongue-in-cheek, and that annoys me. You've got to pick one or the yeah. other. You can't, you can't have both. 
Yeah, pick a lane, man. Stay in your fucking lane. Definitely. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Yeah. So, yeah. three out of ten. <gasps> oh, I need to watch it now even more. Dude. I know. <laughs> I know you want to watch it. Now, I'm the same. I'm, I've been burned too often by Nick Cage, but I'm still going back every time he does some of these pieces of shit. Nick Cage. Do you know the best thing I've seen him in, in the last kind of maybe, I'd say, five years was the, the History of Swearing documentary that he done? Um, I thought it was great in that. He seemed to be in on the joke and engaging in the joke in that yes, one. Yes, absolutely, absolutely. And I think Filled that's out. what we need to do. I actually really enjoyed Mandy. I thought Mandy was something about Mandy was bonkers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah it's. I think we've discussed it even quite recently. But Nick Cage, just he's not done a lot of interest. I always see Pig. I've heard Pig's very good. Okay, not it. It's basically someone steals his, his truffle hunting pig and he goes after to try and find that pig. It's very so. It's partly it's like John Wick of a pig, but. Less so, <laughs> less John Wick, more Nick Cage. Okay, yeah, I can, but apparently, I can very, very, he got like a standing ovation at, at, at Cannes and stuff like that. So, yeah, if I've heard it's actually pretty good. So, okay, cool. I'll um, watch it for that one. Pig, <laughs> I'm, try, I'm actually trying to look at stuff now. I've, I've seen Nick Cage and I actually really liked to be honest. And it's 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 a long fucking drop down to try and find something that actually it, it has like. been churning out stuff recently, though, hasn't it? It just it, it seems to take whatever's given to him for whatever amount of money and you know, on the next one. Um, yeah. Little, all that good stuff. Uh, yeah. So next week we've some interesting stuff in. We've got uh, at the cinema we've got the Green Knight, which is um, Dev Patel um, in a new David Lowry film, which is getting rave reviews. It's sort of like a a reimagining or retake on sort of the old Arthurian legends, I think we look of it. Um, mm-hmm. But sort of yeah. colorblind casting and just sort of you know, turn it all on its head. It looks pretty special. It's pretty dark. It looks very gritty. So I'm really looking forward to that one. I'm going to see that. We've also cool. got out. Um, in cinemas, the prequel movie to The Sopranos called The Many Saints of Newark. Um, a Sopranos story. Sopranos story, say. yes, give it its yeah. title. I've never watched Sopranos, so I'm intrigued by this because. Mm. You know, no, you neither have I. No, yeah. I, I have no knowledge. I, I know Tony Sopranos, the main character, and James yeah. Gardner can play them. That's all I know about The Sopranos, nothing else. Um, um, it looks, and everything I've read so far, tell me it's just a standard. Like sort of gangster, I want to be. Ever since I was young, I wanted to be a gangster. Kind of story, yeah. you know. It's the guy from up through the family. So, I guess I've seen enough of these films that I can probably get the idea. I, I might one of those films with a lot of stuff in it. People might go, "Oh, oh, that's 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 that's." Yeah, you, you you won't get that. Yeah, I won't get that. I'm hoping oh, no, someone. I'm, a young, I'm hoping a young Stevie Van Zandt. That's what I'm looking for. A young Stevie well, Van Zandt. Really, ought isn't it? And anything really, and you guarantee, yeah, you're straight into good fellas territory. Straight, away. exactly. Um, Leo exactly. is kind of he's pigeonholed himself into that shit. Yeah. So he's, I would he's say, so I'm, so I'm not a big gangster movie fan, particularly gangster films that sort of glorify gangsters. So I, I don't know mm-hmm. if this one's gonna rub off on me. Um, also, one on okay. Netflix I thought you might like. It's called Night Books. Okay, it's a Sam Raimi produced sort of like horror for like young adults. Oh, sounds good. Yeah. yeah. So I thought I'd put that one out there for you. It's on Netflix. Nine yeah, because Sam puts his name to create a lot of stuff, but it's usually usually all right, man. The end result's usually not bad, so I'll watch that. I mean, yeah. He did put his name to the remake of Poltergeist, which was not good. Yeah, okay, yeah, I'll give you that one. That, that was <laughs> fucking... Sam producing is not as good as Sam directing. I think we can agree on that. De- definitely not. Um, yeah. yeah, Poltergeist was pretty bad. Um, I'll try and check out the next ones. I'm back on my, my kind of usual working... Daytime next week, so I'll have a live next week. Yeah. And I'll hopefully, get to the cinema and catch catch a couple of things. There is a few other things yeah. out there just now as well, but um, those are sort of the main ones I thought would be of interest from next week. Where did we wait to find us? Yeah, you can find us at uh, number three beers in a movie, and we're at the usual haunts. So we're on Gmail, Instagram, 
Facebook, Twitter. So look us up and have a, a gander at some of our shenanigans and let us know what you think. Does Richard's too hard on Nick Cage? Does Colin have too big a hard on for Nick Cage? Who knows? I love Who knows? Nick Cage. This is why it hurts because I love Nick Cage so much. <laughs> That's why it hurts so much. I've been Colin, you've been Richard, and we have been... Three beers and a movie.